0: What we do here is go back, 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 back,
1: back. What are you drinking there?
0: Drinking some uh, chamomile tea. Nothing too exciting, but the reason I'm drinking it, Marco Timpano, co-host of this podcast, is delicious, is that um, I was in Moose Jaw this weekend, Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan. And uh, for three of the four days, we were surrounded by the uh, the old wildfires there. Oh wow! Feel a little bit of a, uh, <laughs> graininess in the throat, you know? A little ash in your gullet. That's got to be what it is. That's got to be what it is. Some ember, some flying around. We should not make. Uh, we should not make fun because. But it, this is our coping mechanism, right? Yeah. What do you do? It's true. We've had this in where we live in Toronto as well. We've had plenty of this. We've had like. Soccer games canceled, baseball leagues just shut down for three yep. days, for a week once, right? Yeah, so certainly
1: our split. friends in the U.S. have been feeling the effects of it too, because, you yep. know, CNN really likes to.
0: Those say, Canadian wildfires.
1: Oh, Canadian wildfires. <laughs> Which I. <laughs> find hysterical. Yeah. We're keeping um, you honest is what I, what what I like to say.
0: Yeah. I, uh, Moose Jaw was very nice by the way, but you know, there's, there's an Italian connection in Moose Really? Okay. Well, wow. yeah, I got to hear that. I mean, you might not be happy about it, but it's, oh. it's a very interesting one. Okay. Al Capone. Yeah. Uh, ran a, a significant part of his operation out of Moose during prohibition. And so there are these tunnels underground mm-hmm. where they would, you know run things and keep out of the eyes of uh of cops and and people in the in the city but they uh yeah it's a, it's a real claim to fame for moose jaw so we went and had a had a tour. It's like a half an hour tour and they show you these various rooms and bars, and then you go underground and you see the tunnels and the rooms downstairs. Sure, it's sure. very interesting. Yeah. Oh, wow. I would not have well, thought, I would not have thought that that's a part of Moose history. Obviously.
1: Listen, it's, it's something I don't necessarily brag about, but it's something I was certainly, <laughs> uh, you know, schooled in Force uh, fed? as a kid. Yeah. No, yeah. no, no, no. That's a, that's a fascinating, fascinating little fact there. Yeah. No. Listen, so, we're, we're yeah, go on. No, you go on. I, I, I was just going to say, I was just going to say. I asked you about your what you were drinking, not thinking we were actually recording the show, the top of the show. But I love that, that we started that way. But we're two days late on this particular episode. We're two days
0: so- late. So I, so I got to it. You go. You go. Uh, I'm. A, this is what you said. You said, "I'm going to record sure. now." Yeah. Three, two, one. What are you drinking there, Ali? I'm like, oh, so this is the way the guy wants to start. All right. I can improv with the best of them. I I was checking your
1: levels. I was checking your levels. But we kind of gave a little tip of our hat to what today's episode is going to be. And for those of you who didn't didn't see, we're going to talk about moose and jaws and how to really like uh, (laughs) flex your jaw so you can eat more moose. No, uh, (laughs) no. Uh, if you haven't read the sort of the the title of the show today, we're going to be talking about Canadian seafood, uh, and we've we talked around it throughout the episodes, like we've mentioned, referenced it, but we're going to focus on the seafood from our nation, which which really stands out in my opinion. But mm-hmm. did you know, Ali, that as a kid, I wanted to be a fisherman?
0: Come on, Like yeah, that, that was like, the way I wanted to be an astronaut, like yep. Lucy Goosey, or like an actual goal, like you. Were oh no, no. It up? An actual
1: goal. Like I oh, wow. I was all about fish when I was a kid. I was like really into fish and it always surprises people when I have this real knowledge of fish or will be somewhere and I'll be like, oh, that and I'll, I'll, I'll name the fish that hmm. it is. Amanda's always like, oh, yeah, I forget that you were you have all this knowledge about fish. But, yeah, I wanted to be a fisherman when I was a kid, when I was a young boy, uh, not realizing that, you know. Ultimately, a fisherman catches and kills and serves fish or, or sells fish, right? I thought it was just a way to be close to fish. And so oh, for the longest time, I, and oh, then I, went, I, 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 turned in, I turned that from fisherman to marine biologist uh, is where I ended <laughs> up landing. And then I got into comedy and I can't swim. So uh, it stands to reason I am fisherman no more.
0: What an adorable little ding-dong you must have been. Yeah,
1: I, I I really was. And I did once catch a fish without a hook. And I think I talked about it on the show once. Uh, I don't know
0: that story. What did so, you use? So what happened hands? was,
1: close. What happened was I saw we, there was this property that we owned at one point that had a pond on it, If you can if you can imagine. And I saw fish jumping in the water. And I told my dad, I'm like, there's fish in the pond. And he's like, there's no fish in that pond. There can't be. It's just a... Uh, reservoir water, right? And I'm like, there's did he slap fish, there's you on a... the back
0: of the head when he said it too? Or? No,
1: he was busy. He, he was making a little garden or something. Him and my uncle were busy. And I just kept saying, there's fish, there's fish on the pond, right? And he didn't believe me. So me and my cousin, I'm like, oh, there's going to be a way I can catch a fish. So I found some string, some long white string, and I didn't have a hook, right? Mm-hmm. But me and my cousin dug up and I found a worm. I'm like, how am I going to catch a fish? So what I did was I tied the worm to the string and then I tied a lot of knots, knowing that some fish have barbs in their mouth, like uh, little little teeth. And if I could ca- tie knots with the string around where the worm would be, then maybe their barbs would hook into that those little balls of of string. And so I threw in the water, and as soon as I felt a tug, little me just yanked it out of out of the water as fast as I could. And this fish goes flying three feet in the, three feet in the air behind me and falls on the ground. And my cousin goes running to my uncle and my father screaming. And my father thought something had happened to me. I fell in the water. I was drowning or something. So he comes running and we're like, we caught a fish. We caught a fish. And they're like, holy shit. I can't believe this kid caught a fish without a hook, without a rod. How did you do it? Right. So that was was my brain working when I was a kid.
0: Yeah. You're a fisherman after all, matey. Listen, the the things kids will do to get their father's attention, right? Right. That's pretty impressive actually, but to to be that resourceful, find me a kid today who can do any of that. I'd be very impressed. Mm Mm-hmm. I was for pretty you, buddy well, so yeah. This is your this episode is like your lifelong dream to do this episode. This is this well, is listen, you. Yeah.
1: I'm proud of our waters and I'm proud of our fish. You know, a lot of people they sort of um what's the term? Apprezzare is the Italian word they they esteem uh fish like marlin or swordfish or tuna, these big water ocean fish, right? And we have a lot of freshwater and a lot of our fish aren't big fish, which which is great because their mercury content tends to be lower because the bigger the fish, the more the bioamplification happens when it eats uh, contaminants and whatnot, right? So these mm-hmm. large fish that people really esteem tend to have more, you, you shouldn't be eating that much of it, but our fish tend to have less of it because our fish are freshwater fish, so they don't grow to really large sizes and our waters aren't as polluted as the oceans are, and a lot of our fishing is actually actually
0: sustainable, so that makes me very proud of our fish. I've heard they're proud of you as well. Yeah, you know, <laughs> this is a probably semi-fake Canadian propaganda that, sure. that Marco is uh, spewing, but only f- semi, only semi. It is true that you can find still good quality fish, but it's also true that the oceans, uh, in general at large, are becoming more polluted. So I would say that uh, you want to you know you want to know about mercury content and you want to be sure. very cognizant of uh, cuz i do know people who although mind you they were also eating like canned tuna and things like this but right. but their mercury they they've got a you know a mild case of mercury poisoning i know two oh, people who had that uh just because they were like i'm done with meat i'm seafood only baby Se- wow. sushi 5 days a week and yep. canned tuna and um, I, this was also a time where people did not know that beans and nuts also held protein in them, I think, but yeah, you want to be a little bit aware of that. I don't think you just dive, dive right, right into the world of fish every day. Just, I'm, I'm going to throw that out. Yeah. Fair
1: enough. Oh, well, I didn't, I didn't suggest that at all, but I'm certainly suggesting as an alternative to these big fish, yes. like the tunas and the, and the large bill fish, like swordfish, marlin and, um, Marlin swordfish and uh, sailfish, Uh, which, which once again, it's problematic. Those fish are really feeling the impact of overfishing and orange roughy. I have a real problem with orange. Oh man. Orange
0: roughy. You shouldn't have eaten in the last 15 years. No, no.
1: And it's delicious. I I agree. But uh, the overfishing of that particular fish is, is real, really problematic. But, I'll just push all that aside because I'm going to focus on fish caught in our waters and what makes us uh, a standout. So are you cool if I give you a couple of my favorites, uh, some factoids about them, and you give us a recipe? Will
0: that work for you? That'll be amazing. Okay. Yeah, I, uh, I like a challenge. Uh, I might have to be like, stop the challenge. I have to look up something on the Listen, internet. But in general, look. Let's say you got a shellfish in there. You got a, you know, one of the, a, a clam or an oyster in there. You got some. I, I, I can give you some recipes. I'm, okay. I'm very happy to do that.
1: Listen, I'm going to give some factoids. So if you need, I won't tell anyone. If you're looking looking up recipes while I'm,
0: uh, my hands uh, are where you can see okay. them. I will He's, announce if I have to look anything okay. up. Okay, I'm going to start on our East Coast, and
1: that's going to be a little nod to the wine that I'm going to talk about later on. But the Digby Scallop. Mm. Now, the Digby Scallop uh, is named after Digby, Nova Scotia. It's a specific type of scallop that is known for its high quality and delicious flavor. Okay, just
0: just a pause. Yeah. You're not going to believe this. I had... Scallops in Moose Jaw this weekend. You're no. not going to believe that. Yeah, I landlocked Saskatchewan. I had scallops, and how? And I they? am going to my. I'm going to my my laptop okay. to just look up. So it's called. It's called Grant Hall. It's a hotel and a restaurant. Grant Hall. Okay. In Moose Jaw, and this was this was what the what it was. It was seared scallops. Yum. On a pea puree with pancetta crumble and chili oil. That is what I had two days ago. I love that you're bringing up scallops because that was an amazing, amazing uh, dish. And uh, and I had another thing after it, which I shouldn't have. I should have left on a high. Right, right. Okay. And I even told the, the, the server, I was like, these are actually quite impressive and she's like this is like a a surefire winner as soon as somebody orders it i know that they're going to be so happy it's just really one of our favorites
1: so yeah and you know it's easy it's easy to mess up a scallop right a seared scallop yes
0: Yes. and there is also something else to know about scallops uh, when you're buying them which i'll i'll get into uh after you uh you johnny Factoy, do your thing all right all right so what i can
1: so As I was saying, the Digby scallop is named after the town of Digby in Nova Scotia, and this region is renowned for its scallop fisheries. And And for
0: my friend Aaron Balzer. Shout out to the Balzers.
1: Oh, is Aaron from there? She's from Digby, yeah. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. Yeah. Um, And it's, uh, you know, a prized seafood delicacy uh, that comes from this area. Its size and appearance, the Digby scallop is t- typically larger than other scallop varieties uh, with a shell diameter ranging between 10 and 15 centimeters or four to six inches. The shells are characteristic, characterized by their distinct ridges and deep cup-like shape. Inside, the meat of the scallop is plump, tender, and naturally sweet. Now, here's the other thing that I love about the Digby scallop. Uh, Sustainable fishing, the harvesting of Digby scallops follows strict regulations and sustainable practices to ensure the long-term viability of the scallop population and the health of the marine ecosystem. Uh, These measures include limited fishing seasons, size restriction, and carefully managing catch limits. And that's all aimed to protect the scallop population and maintaining the quality of the seafood itself. It's regarded by seafood enthusiasts as a sought after and its unique takes, taste and texture is what makes it popular, and it has made a prized ingredient for many culinary preparations. And I won't tell you which ones because I want to hear what you're going to bring to the table with this.
0: Well, buddy, I'm going to talk about the dish that I had, and I okay. really loved it. So, you know, I don't know how it was made, but I can sure. take a guess. Yeah. Uh, but I want to add something to because yeah, yeah. scal- I've bought scallops. A number of times, and I used to think like uh, no two scallops are, are are alike, and that's why sometimes uh, the way I make it, it it works, sometimes it doesn't work the same way. Sometimes it it sears, other times maybe it's just sure. too um, too wet, and I didn't dry it enough. Actually, something that you should be aware of, and that you should look up before buying scallops if you're yeah. if you're going to go shopping, there are wet scallops and there are dry scallops. Ooh. And it doesn't mean soaking wet, dripping, and right. dry, but what it does mean is it's a reference to um, wet scallops are brined, okay. but they're not just brined in water, but also some chemicals- Oh, uh, that keep them from searing uh, properly. And and for for my money, unless you're putting your scallops in a chowder, although you can still sear, sear them before putting them in a chowder or soup, I would say that searing a scallop is one of the greatest things to have that slightly crisp exterior. I think it's fantastic. So sure. Uh, look for dry scallops. That's what I'm going to say when you're buying. Okay. This is like something you should ask a, a fishmonger um so you don't want them brined you don't want them treated with any chemicals probably be a little bit more expensive uh, 100% worth it so that's the first thing the other thing you should be drying scallops completely uh with a paper towel the actual drying not the description yeah. of the right uh that's pretty important and then um yeah, when you make them also uh, as is the case with shrimp as is the case with so many different things don't overcrowd the pan right? You right. can get away with that yep. with chicken and then you just have a chicken in a sauce. You do not want that. The scallops get this nice golden crust, um, because they have space around them and they're not steaming. They're getting a little crispy and, uh, yeah, just cook them in batches. If your if your pan isn't big enough, you cook them in batches. So, and, and then the final thing is, uh, they cook quickly. Yeah. So you want your pan to be Hot, You don't want to be putting it in and waiting for the temperature to rise because that whole time they're cooking and possibly not getting, uh, crispy. So you want, you want them to sizzle a little bit when they hit the pan. So And
1: don't hammer them, right? Like uh, one of the, one of the scallop, you know, scallopini. Tr- well, no, one of the tragedies of, uh, searing scallops is when you have them on too long. Searing doesn't mean you keep them there till they're, they're fully cooked because not at all. then they become rubber, rubber golf balls.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I would say, here's my suggestion. Okay. Inspired by the Grant Hall, by Grant Hall in Moose Jaw. Okay. You take some scallops- sea scallops or bay scallops digby are a little larger so you'll take less of them uh, you know but if you're serving it as an appetizer if they're small four if it's digby it's like one or two um um, scallops but bay scallops are really small aren't they sorry sea scallops are bigger yeah Yeah, it's 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 funny because because digby like the bay of fundy is all there so you think it's a bay scallop but it's actually a sea scallop yeah sea scallops are like yeah in the sea. Anyway, it doesn't. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Um but but you're absolutely right. Bay are are smaller. So you take the scallops, again, um you make sure that pan is already heating up. When you pour oil into it, I would say olive oil is great. You want to uh make sure it shimmers immediately. Uh I would also say, I mean I'm just going to make a suggestion, put a smashed clove of garlic in there. Oh, yeah to, to flavor the oil a little bit because it's a delicate flavor. It's not like, it's not the same as lobster and, 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 and shrimp. It doesn't have that same seafood flavor. It does have like an essence of the, of the sea.
1: Yeah. When
0: you say shimmers, what do you mean by shimmers? Uh, shimmer, the oil should, um, you don't know what I mean by shimmer, the oil, like if you put an oil in a cold pan or if you put it in a medium hot pan, you see it kind of like shake a little bit. You okay. see it like okay. it's, it thins out immediately. Okay. And it starts to, um, you know, reverberate, man. I just, sure. It gives, a, I it, know has know a little, it has a little, it has a little bounce to
1: it. Yeah, has a little bounce to it. Like the okay? Folks picture the shimmer in Ali's eyes. When you see mm. your oil do that, it's ready.
0: <laughs> a lot of people won't know the shimmer in my eyes, but he's not wrong. Um, <laughs> you talk to me about food, my eyes do start shimmering. So, I would say, you know, flavor that oil with this garlic, put the scallops, you know, again, dry, salt and pepper, and put them in. You don't need a lot of time. I'd be surprised if you ever need more than 5 minutes for a scallop, Thank you. right? It could be you. like a folks minute and a listen half listen per to side. the man.
1: Listen to him. Say it again. Sorry, because I just kept saying, listen to him while you were talking. <laughs>
0: Good Lord. Stop bossing people to listen to me. Uh, you don't need a long time. You need about 90 seconds aside. Thank you. Maybe two minutes aside if it's a very large scallop. Mm-hmm. And you want it to get crisp on the exterior. And when you take it out of the pan, like so much seafood that is delicate, it continues to cook a little bit. So, in that time, what I would suggest again inspired by moose of all places yes. put the put uh some uh butter into that pan a little bit of white wine to deglaze it because the scallops will uh I- inevitably uh, stick just a little bit and uh and then put some uh, green peas in there right and and cook that just for a minute and put that in a, in a, um, a metal bowl and put the um put the uh, hand blender into that Yum. And now you have this creamy, slightly garlicky uh, peas as sort of a bed. You can lay the scallops on top of that. And I, for my money, what really was fantastic was the pancetta, which is salty and crispy. So you could also use like chili crisp. You could use whatever else you, you have on hand. or whatever, But better than bacon, I think, is pancetta in this, in this situation. And then chili oil. And the chili oil... I find scallops lend themselves so well to to some spice. I really, yeah. really liked it. And and the other thing I would say, which I asked for, which did not come with it, was a, a wedge of lemon. And lemon just lit the entire thing up because you oh have God. the creaminess and the crispiness and the delicate flavor of the scallop. You have a little bit of a bite, but just a little bit of tang. And you could put that you could put that into your pea puree to begin with. So then you wouldn't need to necessarily drizzle uh citrus on it afterwards but but uh but I would so that's, now you uh, know that's exciting scallops
1: uh, I want them again it's listen you have my mouth watering for scallops and or as my wife says as my wife says scallops, but you know bacon is often accompanied with uh scallops, right, and what if you don't eat bacon? what would be that salty uh thing you might suggest someone add to uh I mean there accompany- is beef
0: bacon beef okay. bacon is making uh there's quite a resurgence of beef bacon beef bacon for exactly this reason okay. that many people don't eat bacon and they are looking for uh, something to find out what all the hoopla is about now you don't sure. get the exact same flavor with beef bacon but i think that could work otherwise man, you know sometimes if people don't eat bacon i just i i just do a complete 180 I just go in a different direction because to really find that same level of salty crispy porky flavor it's right. it's quite difficult but if you can find some beef bacon or something could you,
1: know, you do nori flakes or is that too is it giving us too much of a green too, No, Why,
0: you like the crisp you like the no, crisp no, nori yeah. flakes that's not a I, bad idea
1: okay Cool. That's not a bad idea. Oh, sure. There you go. Sure. Well,
0: every once in a while,
1: I come up with a not a bad idea. Yeah. That's That's I huge mean, praise, Mali.
0: That's huge praise, folks. That's, but for that's me, Marco, that yeah. is going in a different direction. Sure. Right? It because is. you're no longer going in a beefy, salty uh, flavor. You're going in more seafood flavor. Yeah. So you've gone to completely. You're not trying to replicate bacon. You're just trying no. to give something, and that's that's fine. But you could do that.
1: Okay. Cool. Do I not praise you enough? Not not really. If you listen back, if you ever listen to our shows, you'll hear how mean you are to <laughs> I, me. I
0: called you an adorable little ding dong as early a child, early. I said. And that's the nicest thing I've ever said to anybody. Uh, okay. Are we ready for our next
1: one? I, I'm ready. Okay. So got? I'm going to go from the East Coast and I'm going to head North into mm-hmm. the cold waters of our Northern re- regions. And I'm going to talk Arctic char. Arctic
0: char, buddy. Yeah my favorite i do I, I love arctic char do you it's, know that about
1: it's, me i i don't but i could see it and and you know arctic <laughs> char if you haven't had it you you need to have it it's because it, so many people like i remember the first you, time i had it and i was like oh my god this is so great this is i have pound for pound i like this better than salmon and yeah, so yeah. for me arctic char i'll just give you a couple of um a couple of facts about Arctic chards found primarily in cold, freshwater environments such as lakes, rivers, and ponds in the Arctic and subarctic regions. Uh, so it's known to occur in our coastal areas and estuaries. These fish are well adapted to survive in extreme cold temperatures, making them suited, of course, for the northern parts of our country. Uh, Arctic char is also known for its unique life cycle in that they are anadrominous, andramos, man- I don't know if I'm saying it right,
0: which means well they done. spend, yeah, yeah, they spend the marine their, biologist and you died just now yeah, if it hadn't right. before. It just
1: andromos, did. andromos, uh, andromios, uh, which means they spend <laughs> part of their lives in freshwater and part of their lives <laughs> in saltwater. They begin their lives in freshwater, hatching their eggs laid in rivers and lakes, uh, much like salmon, I guess. And they grow um, and they grow. And when they become adults, they migrate to the ocean where they spend a portion of their adult life, after which a few years in the saltwater. They return to freshwater to their birthplaces to spawn. Yeah. Yeah. It's valued for its, its often delicate described flavor. described
0: yeah. as uh, a cross between salmon and trout. I also really like yeah. trout, but I, okay. uh, I'm a big fan of uh, mm-hmm. Arctic char, and and probably less, as we were talking about mercury, probably a healthier choice, right? Probably yes. um, if you're going to eat, you know, fish weekly, probably a
1: good choice. It tends to be in cleaner water. waters, right? Because the northern lakes aren't uh, nearly as polluted as yeah. as lakes as you get further south. And Arctic waters are not as polluted the Arctic Ocean as other oceans, as we uh, sadly have seen. Mm -hmm. So tell us, tell us about your love for Arctic char.
0: Well, buddy, there's actually so many things. It's it's so versatile. It doesn't have a super strong flavor, Mm -hmm. Uh, but I really I love eating the 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 skin of fish. And Arctic char, that crispy skin is amazing. And you can prepare it like you can uh, put it on a grill. You can uh, pan fry it, which I—that's yeah. m- generally my go-to. But you can also bake Arctic char. You can broil it, which is also great. And it—it it really agrees with with sauces and marinades, which is like you know the borderline hobby of mine, making sauces and marinades and all these kind of things. There's an Arctic char. Uh, also, you can. Do you know what agua chile is? Yeah, I do. Agua chile. If you break it up, agua and chile, chile is chili water, right? And it's like ceviche. Uh, you serve it That's raw, right. but it's in a in a uh, a very spicy. I'm always, uh, you know, it's always got to be spicy. But you can serve. Um, you can even serve uh, Arctic char raw. Is what I'm trying to tell you. Uh, but you, I mean raw, but like a ceviche cooked in right. something with you know lime sauce, and then habaneros and mint, and then you have something crunchy in there like fennel or like jicama or something yes. like that. And it's that's that's one of my oh my god, my own and and red onions, my uh, my mouth is watering. So that's one suggestion. If you make pestos, whether that be basil or kale or sun-dried tomato, any kind of pesto rubbed into an arctic char and then, you know, uh, baking it or, or, or broiling it. I think that's really amazing. Um, and, and then another thing is like a lot of the stuff that would be like a salad dressing. So for example, I've talked about salad dressings, you know, lime juice, olive oil, Dijon, a little bit of maple syrup. That's one of my favorites. That would be amazing. On Arctic char that when you think about like good quality salad dressings that you make personally, not right. that you buy in a bottle, yeah. So don't get your are thousand
1: great. island dressing and pour it on your char. Don't you
0: get that thousand? You get away from here with your <laughs> thousand. Island. But and then there's the final thing I'll tell you just because I yeah. could go on, uh, uh, ad nauseum about this, but my father used to use this ingredient and I, um, I kind of you know fell in love with it too for for certain fish and it's called so i'll have to look up what it's called in english but it's called Ajvan, but it, i think it's carom no what is Ajvan in english that's so ajwan is carom seeds it is carom okay. seeds uh similar to thyme in flavor though more pungent i would not have said that i would say more pungent but either ajwan and if you really can't find it if you can't find ajwan you look for um well, for fennel you said carom? Yeah, they call it carom. I mean, I don't not know. Not carob. Some...
1: Not carob. No, right?
0: C-A-R-O-M. Okay.
1: I've never heard of this, so I'm looking it up now.
0: You look it up. It is. Uh, it oh, okay. looks similar to fennel, but yeah, yeah. what I'm saying to you is you could also use fennel. So if you want the simplest pan-fried fish in some olive oil and butter, first of all, uh, coat that skin side with some salt and pepper and uh, an drench. Because as those fry and crisp up, they will be amazing on the skin. And on the other side too, that same ajvain and uh, and salt and pepper. And that is it. And then you're free to uh, put some lemon or lime on it and any herbs that you think would go well with that. Some fresh parsley or cilantro, or whatever yeah. you think is uh, is there. But it's such a simple fish. And it always makes people think that they're, um, you know, when you have a guest, it looks like you went out of your way to do something particularly special, but it's three spices and some lime juice. It's just, um, that's the power of Arctic char. I think it just, you, somebody makes that and you go, you would make that for me. I don't know. I forgot. I can't say enough good things. It's a Fantastic. beautiful
1: looking fish too. Cause it has a pale pink color to it. Yeah. Uh, you know, in the vein of salmon, it's delicate, but flavorful. And I think you're right. It really highlights any flavors you bring to uh, the char party.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The char party. I love it. Okay, buddy. I'm ready All for right. number three. All I, right. I, I now like, I'm going to. Like head... where we've gone on this journey so far. I'm going to head
1: west. To our west coast, so we've 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 been to the Atlantic Ocean, we've been to the Arctic Ocean. Now we're going to go to the Pacific Ocean with my yeah. favorite Canadian seafood. To say. say it is the <laughs> gooey duck.
0: Oh my god! Yeah,
1: I wanted to throw you a curveball here. That's hilarious. Yeah. Okay, That's so hilarious. while Ali is figuring out what he's going to say about the gooey
0: duck, I, I, all I know is okay. what it looks like. I yeah. can pick it out of a lineup. It, lo- it looks up. It looks obscene, right? It looks uh, perverse yeah. <laughs> and vulgar. So, but uh, I, I have never. I don't know it. I don't know how to make it at all. I have huh. never made gooey duck.
1: Figure that this out, amazing. my friend. While I, okay. while I give some 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 facts about it. So. It's a it's a type of large, long-lived clam which is found in the Pacific Northwest of North America, and yeah. its size and longevity. Uh, gooey ducks are, and I say ge- it's pronounced gooey ducks, but it looks like geo ducks, yeah, all one yeah. word, right? Uh, they're the largest burrowing clam species in the world, and they have an impressive average size with their neck, the siphon, as it's called, uh, alone often exceeding a meter or three feet in length. In (laughs) fact, it's the largest, the largest recorded geo geo, uh, duck, sorry, had a siphon measuring over 1.5 meters, five feet long. The clams can live for a a remarkably long time with some individuals surviving for more than a hundred years. Gooey ducks are typically found buried in sandy or muddy substrates in the um, in interior zone near coastal areas, they are known for their abilities to dig deep and burrow, often reaching depths of over one meter or three feet in, mm-hmm. into the sediment. Uh, har- harvesting uh, gooey ducks involves carefully digging them out from their burrows using specialized equipment such as uh, water jets and shovels. And due to their popularity in the Asian markets, particularly in Chinese cuisine. Gooey ducks are commercially harvested in the Pacific Northwest, mainly in the states of Washington and in the province of British Columbia. And they fetch a lot of money in the Asian market, uh, Ali. They're prized for their sweet and flavorful meat, which has a unique texture that is both crunchy and tender. It's often enjoyed raw in sashimi sushi. Or as a component to other seafood dishes, their uh, peculiar appearance, or as Ali said, perverted-looking appearances, and their exceptional size make gooey ducks uh, interesting and sought-after delicacy in culinary circles.
0: Mm -hmm. And they go by another name as well, which you didn't say. Oh, I didn't know. The Shlong. Shlong. No, oh, they the but <laughs> the schlong. I, I made that up, but uh, it's very. I mean, th- th- you got to look it up. Like like yeah. like, Marco said yeah. it's spelled geoduck, uh, but it's gooey duck. So first of all, the name is strange, and then yeah. it just it looks like this weird deformed thing. So I, I'm looking at an article on Serious Eats where they said, "Jonas Jonathan Swift famously said that it was a brave man who first ate an oyster." But that someone does not hold a candle to whoever first ate geoduck, uh, gooey duck. They were either starving to death and happened to be three feet underground at low tide (laughs) or had a morbid sense of curiosity and didn't mind getting squirted in the face. Did we mention that they squirt? No, I didn't. Yeah, they they squirt. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the the jokes, it's too much. So. But, but you can, I'm looking at a picture of a salad, geoduck I keep saying geoduck. gooey duck with cucumber, radish, grapefruit, fried sage. Um, It looks, and you've had it and you love it. Yeah. This is what you're saying.
1: Yeah. It's, you know, I've had it in sushi and sashimi. And what's interesting about the gooey duck is long before it became so uh, esteemed or sought after in the Asian market, Mm -hmm. uh, North Americans were using it in clam chowder because there was so much meat, right? That it was often used in canned clam chowder. So like canneries would use that clam as part of their, their clam base. Uh, So, yeah.
0: It's unbelievable. Uh, It's actually very, very diverse. So, uh, you know, reading this, it's, it can be served raw in a ceviche or a a crudo preparation. Uh, You can also take the, um, uh, the body of it. Uh, pound it out. You know, slice it thickly. Pound it out. Tenderize it. Dust it with flour. Pan fry it, like you would with a uh, with a schnitzel. Oh my God, I would love yeah. clam
1: schnitzel. Imagine. Yeah.
0: So it's it's got the schnitzel like texture once you've d- dusted it with flour and all that, but it retains the sea infused taste of oh fresh man. clams. I'd be into that too. Actually, uh, we need to find a place that
1: makes clam sh- that makes good duck schnitzel. Man, <laughs> I'd be all over that.
0: <laughs> I w- oh, I'd boy.
1: wear hosen to that dinner with you.
0: I, I was hoping you'd wear that anyway and, and not need a, a reason for that. It's also considered an aphrodisiac for obvious reasons. <laughs> yeah. um, the Chinese name translates much to the much more clean-minded elephant trunk. Right. Often served in a hot pot, sometimes fried salt and pepper style. Uh, or stir fried with XO sauce, or used to add flavor and texture to congee. Um, this is a very versatile thing, and I've never, you know, and it's it's the look and and my own yeah. ignorance of how to prepare it that has kept me from ever um, uh, picking it off uh, of, what do you want to call it a, a, a bed of uh, uh, ice pebbles at a uh, at a fishmonger, right? Also, or, or I've never seen.
1: I've never seen one in our fishmongers here in Ontario. I think,
0: I think they sit in the water, if I remember. Oh, do they? Okay, I've never seen one, so,
1: okay. Sure,
0: sure. Yeah. I bet they're not cheap either, so. Okay, I will find out. God, they look weird. Yeah. God, I would rather just have somebody feed it to me. Uh,
1: while, you're, while you're laying down on a bed, someone hand-feed yeah. you a gooey dye. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Just slap me with it. Yep. Um, yeah, well, the vulgarity and perverseness- uh, continues. You know what, Marco? Yeah. Price yeah. be damned before yeah. the fall, I will be trying some gooey duck. What kind of person am I who has not had gooey duck? I'm, I'm telling you, you've, you've
1: probably had it and not known.
0: That's a possibility. Yeah. I think you probably had it
1: in like uh sushi or in some dishes and you're like, I'm not, you don't realize you're having gooey duck. And, and there you go.
0: Yeah. When you look at a picture of a gooey duck, um, th- that's been disassembled. Yes. It looks like you're looking at an embryo of an alien also. So it it doesn't get any prettier once it's disassembled. (laughs) Okay. I can share that picture with you. Sure, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh. Okay. So
1: those are are my three picks for the seafood, uh, Canadian seafood.
0: Fantastic, buddy. I loved all of it. I also love, I, I thought I might have an opportunity to talk about masala fish, which my father used to make, make a a really tasty, spicy tomato masala. And then he would take like a, um, more like a firm fish, like think halibut or firmer, and then just tuck it into little pockets of this, uh, of this tomato sauce, this spicy, like masala tomato sauce, and then cover it. And it was done in under ten minutes. Oh wow. And it had like the spicy tang of the of the sauce. And and yeah, they would do that with salmon. They would actually do that with with a trout and they could have done it with char as well. I just could could you have done
1: it with mackerel, like a really oily fish or uh no,
0: No. I I mean you could have probably I don't know. I wonder, Mm -hmm. huh? Super oily because the that tomato sauce already has a little bit of an oiliness to it. But you could. Just
1: to just to throw out another Canadian fish. Yeah. Okay. That was that I'm, I'm hungry, man. I often find that uh, when we do our shows, it's like, ah, uh, I have a real, real Jonesine for what we talk about. No kidding.
0: Uh, tell me about wine, but okay. you are going to, now, is this something that can like, you can't really say, or you correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't yeah. think you can really say this pairs well with seafood. It's like saying, you know, if somebody goes, I like Indian food or I like Chinese food, sure. you're talking about the hundreds of dishes. Like yeah. I feel the same way. Like this pairs well with Chinese, with seafood. I mean, you know, curried lobster is also seafood. Right. 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 And, um, and, uh, an oyster is also seafood. Right. So tell me what, what you're thinking is when you're looking for a wine, um, and, 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 and which dishes you, uh, you look to pair with wine or, you know, is it always, cause I don't actually, I love oysters, but I'll, you know, I'll have the mignonette or the Tabasco sure, sure. or some other, you know, West Indian style pepper sauce in there. Yeah. That doesn't go that well with any booze in my, in my opinion. Well, I'm just you, like, I'm focused on having a dozen oysters. Right.
1: Here's the thing. Right. So you can have, I've always said this, you have the wine that you like with whatever meal. And Mm. that's your business and and enjoy your life. But certain wines are going to pair better with certain meals because of how they support or how they how they assist the food you're eating. In other words, if you're having a light flaky fish like a char, you're not going to want a heavy wine that has a lot of tannin because it's going to overpower the food you're eating. Rather, you want the wine to sort of support the food you're eating and add to it. So. For example, with regards to your oyster dilemma, uh, you know, you're eating raw oysters. I would not drink red wine with raw oysters. It just doesn't seem right. You want Mm. something light. You want something crisp. You want something that has a little bit of characteristic to it because an oyster can be very uh, sumptuous and plain. And you want something to give it some lift. So that's why champagne or sparkling wines are often associated with oysters, sure. right? Prosecco, I mean, yeah. Yeah, of course. So that it. It, it makes sense. Also, you know, you've got the flavor of the sea in the briny uh salt water or sea water that is associated with uh shucking an oyster. There's something very uh elegant about pairing uh, sophisticated sparkling wine with something that looks very earthy and and you know celestial as an oyster oh, so nice. all those things sort of play with it right and oftentimes white wine is very associated with fish because of you know how well white goes with Buttery sauces or with lighter, lighter dishes. Now, that's not to say you can't have a red wine, a Pinot Noir, a lighter red wine for sure, a blush wine without a doubt. If you have that lobster dish that you're talking about, that sounds really uh, umptuous and sumptuous and heavy, you can certainly pair it with a red wine. So, you know, I I don't subscribe to it must be this wine with this particular fish, but it is true that certain wines go better with fish than with with uh, with meats. Let's say. These- I think my
0: problem is yeah. sometimes that you know I don't I don't like chardonnays. I don't like most sauvignon blancs. I find these these wines so plain and sure. bland on the palate and I know I'm also again talking about this huge world of wines yeah. and people who know them are probably like, "Oh, I'll give you a chardonnay that, that has some." But I generally tend towards pinot Grigio's, rieslings, yeah. goersts, uh, you know, minor. Yeah.
1: yeah, I have a wine for you, then, my friend. Okay, tell me about. You
0: know, which. Canada
1: is known as the Great White North. I'm giving you the Great White Wine here, and <laughs> I had texted you this to see if you could tell me how to say it, uh, because I know you're going to make fun of me. But
0: yeah, Laca- no. But if I tell you how to say it, how do I make fun of you? Right? It's true. So it's true. You kind it's... of got in my way there.
1: So here you go, Lacade Blanc. Oh God. Oh God. No, Lacadie, 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 you see Blanc? the IE, yeah. Lacadie Blanc,
0: Lack-a-d? Blanc. Okay. you don't pronounce a C, okay. Blanc, there's no Blanco, okay. it's
1: not, come on, buddy. Lacadie Blanc, uh, grape, this is the grape, which is one of the major players in producing our Canadian well-known white wines, this variety of grape was originally created here in Ontario, but is most notably found in Nova Scotia. It produces a pale yellow wine that has a crisp acidity and a lengthy finish with notes of citrus and grass. Here is why, here are some interesting facts about this, and then I will give you my recommendation of one uh, one bottle of this particular wine that I really enjoy. So I love this wine because the grape varietal uh, Lacadie Blanc, is a white wine grape uh, that was developed here in Canada, but it's a hybrid grape of, get this, a French grape, the Cascade, and an English grape, the Seval Blanc grape. So you got the English and French here producing a uh, grape varietal that is a quintessential Canadian varietal, and that just makes me very happy because it feels sure. very in tune with the nation, right?
0: That's Acadian right there.
1: Yeah. yeah. It was That's created nice in 1953 by the grape breeder Ollie Brent in Niagara, Ontario at the Vineland Horticultural Research research Station. There's a mouthful, which is now the Mm. Vineland Research and Innovation Centre. And as I said, it's primarily grown in Nova Scotia, but also in Quebec, Ontario and New Brunswick. It is considered one of the most successful grape varieties in Canadian wine uh, history and in the industry. Um, And it is... Suitable for cold climates. That's why a Lacadie uh, Blanc works so well here in Canada. It uh, it works in the maritime provinces where it can get very cold. It can withstand harsh winters and is very go- good at resisting disease. So it's a good disease-resistant um, uh, varietal. Uh, the characteristics of this uh, wine are crisp and refreshing and a moderate acidity. And mm-hmm. the range of flavors that can include citrus. Apple, pear, and floral notes. It's often produced both in still and sparkling wines. Oh, nice. It's been awarded and it has gained recognition internationally, and it has contributed to the growing reputation of Canadian uh, wines, although I think the the country needs to do more to promote wines in Canada within our nation so that we all know it. It's uh, known as the Nova Scotia equivalent to Chardonnay, but I think it's so much more complex and so much more interesting than Chardonnay for those exact reasons that you stated earlier, where Chardonnays can feel very blasé. I think Mm. Lacadie Blanc really has some character and substance to it. Now, with regards to food pairings, due to its vibrant acidity and versatile flavor, uh, Lacadie Blanc pairs well in many dishes, including creamy cheeses, light salads, poultry... And it complements seafood very well. That's why I pulled this wine out for our listeners today. Now, I'm going to tell you my recommendation. And if you listen to past episodes, I mentioned this particular wine. It's called Nova 7, N-O-V-A 7 by Benjamin Bridge. They describe it as a pale, rubenesque pink color with crystalline reflections. On the nose, it has hints of mango puree and ripe, juicy Georgia summer peaches. And it's uh, energized by zesty notes of key lime sorbet. On the palate, the wine refreshes immediately with a vibrant combination of honeysuckle, lemon cream, and a touch of spring floral blossoms. To me, it's just a great wine. That's how they describe it. And I'm like, yeah, all right.
0: Hysterical. It, but- it's
1: a little bit poetic here. But yeah, I had it with a friend at a friend's house, Judy, in Halifax, where she served appetizers. And we had that wine. And it was fantastic with the cheeses, with all the little bites. You can serve it right there just as, as an opening friendly little wine with friends. And then I've had it for dinner. And it just it's so versatile. It can hold up to certain dishes. It can really express itself in a friendly way. And I kept drinking it thinking to myself, this is a wine from Nova Scotia? This is a wine from Nova Scotia? Because I never associate Nova Scotia with wines. Then I have this white. And I'm like, this white is better than many of the European or Old World wines that I've had. And it's fantastic. And I have to say, I think because it grows in a cold climate... I think when you have it with food from our country, like seafood, when you have it with North American dishes, it really is resilient and stands up. And I really recommend you try the Acadie Blanc. And my recommendation for the bottle is the Nova 7. So if you can find that in your, wherever you buy wines, give it a try. Let us know what you think of that wine.
0: Your excitement was palpable, my friend. I'm... I can see your face as well. Mm-hmm. And your eyes were going up in a way where you were reminiscing about the wine. Yeah. Were they shimmering? Were,
1: were my eyes no. shimmering? No. No.
0: Okay. no, they were dead inside, but okay. they were going upwards. <laughs> no, I don't know what they were doing, buddy, but they were you were excited. So yeah. I am excited about the Nova 7 as well. I'll give yeah. that a try. Yeah. And I will spit it at your feet if I don't you,
1: like it. it you do it, good. my friend. Yeah, but I'd love to know what you think of it. And I-, I it's hard to find here in Ontario because, of of course, the LCBO here, whoever picks wines doesn't know, uh, you know, what they're doing, in my opinion. But, uh, yeah, it's not an easy oh, wine to find. But wait, when you I'm do, it's first, a treasure. Words.
0: Yep. Okay. All right, folks. Well, it's the middle of summer. Uh we were this is a very pro-Canadian episode, but you know, once in a while we do that as well. And and we feel both Marco and I do have that pride where we do feel that there are great things in this country. Sometimes that we ourselves as Canadians don't celebrate enough. So I always appreciate uh hearing about uh things from Canada that we don't know about because it's great to you know, support your own economy. Other countries are doing it. Why shouldn't we do it? So, uh, I hope that inspires you to um, stir fry, or bake, or broil, or grill, or pan fry some delicious fish, and uh, and pair it with a nice light wine. And and hopefully that contributes to uh, to a wonderful summer that you're already having.
1: There you go. There you go. Yeah. Like, like you said, it's like, you know, we spend money on these old world wines. Why not try something different and fun and, and expose your palate to something like the Acadie Blanc?
0: Yeah. And I think we, you know, we're all guilty of uh, our comfort zones and nowhere is it more imp- more apparent than with our boozes, right? And, indeed. Well, I'm a Shiraz person. or yeah. Well, I, I, I just like this type of beer. I don't really, I only like a lager, but, uh, there's a whole world out there. So, uh. Yeah, get discovering. Yeah, think outside the bottle, my friend. (laughs) I like it. I like it. Are we, this is, there was a marketing team assembled here. They'd be very proud of you for that. Okay, everybody. Thank you for listening. Uh, I'm Ali Hassan. I'm Marco Timpano. And until we eat and drink again, we'll see you soon.